Hello, everyone. This is Frank Riker. And this is Darren Sands. And this is the Slaughterland Podcast. Darren, a quickfire episode about specters, ghosts, the things that could be there or could not be there. Things that people do believe in and may not believe in, but these are our favorite ghosts in the movies. And TV shows. And TV shows, because they do have them too. Okay. All right. What's your first favorite ghost? Well, I I have to go with the ghost with the most first. (laughs) 1988's Beetlejuice, directed by Tim Burton. Um, We all know this film. It's the kind of story of a deceased couple um, who are harassed by this kind of unbearable family that's moved into their home. uh, And they hire this malicious spirit to kind of drive them out, as it were. Interesting, the studio originally wanted to call this film House Ghosts, which to me... Shitty, isn't it? It's like Ghost Dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was that Bill Cosby? Yes. <laughs> he was definitely a ghost. First he saw him, then he did it. <laughs> <laughs> but interestingly, Tim Burton um, suggested as a joke the title Scared Sheetless. Which, which I it kind works. of. It works. And then he was horrified when the studio actually considered it. But I think that's actually a decent title, Scared Sheetless. But yeah, uh, we all know um, Beetlejuice played by the fantastic Michael Keaton. Um, It's actually his favourite film. Of all the great movies that he's done over the years, like Mr. Mom and... uh, (laughs) Classic. Classic. (laughs) The Dream Team and Batman and, uh, and and all the rest of his stuff. Spider-Man, Homecoming. Um, this is actually his favorite film that he's ever done. Yeah, Mike, Michael Keaton ab-libbed around about 90, 90% of his lines in this film. And I, and I think that's when he's at his best. Even when he says, you know, nice fucking model? Was that? That was, that was definitely ad-libbed. That was ad-libbed. <laughs> nice fucking model! <laughs> <laughs> He, um, yeah, he. There's, there's certain moments with Michael Keaton where I, I'm just like, this, this guy's frightening, and he's not a big guy at all. And there's, a, there's, a, there's a scene in, in, um, in Batman where he faces the Joker as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I think it's in, um, in Vicky Vale's house. It's that let's get nuts moment when he picks up the poker from the fire and smashes the ornaments on the mantelpiece, and you get that kind of, that kind of split second of, of, of sort of schizophrenia that that Keaton puts his, into his performances. And then he had us. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. And it's fucking terrifying. And you get a hell of a lot of that in this as well, in, in, in Beetlejuice. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. It's interesting that, that he's only in the movie for for actually four, 14 and a half minutes. But memorable 14 and a half, every single one. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. But but he wasn't actually the, you know, for all his superb 14 and a half minutes that he's in, in, in the movie, he wasn't actually the first choice. Do you know who was the first choice? John Belushi. <laughs> oh, he's dead. He was dead. He, he was oh. dead at that point. <laughs> 
No, it, I can't guess. There was, there was a list. There was a list, and it's one of those usual things where every kind of um, Hollywood actor's name pops up, and and you know, there's a, it's, it's the usual suspects. Like at the time, it was Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams. Robin Williams, I could see doing this probably. Uh, <laughs> Is it my Robin Williams impression? Robin Williams. <laughs> okay. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, Jim Carrey. Christopher Lloyd actually would be quite good. Uh, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey was probably Very not- young Jim Carrey. Yeah, he was probably not well known then. Um, Tim Curry. Interesting. Jack Nicholson, bit, probably a bit too old at that point. Bill Murray, Robert De Niro, and John Cleese. Um, maybe. I don't know. But uh, yeah, this uh, Tim Burton actually wanted Sammy Davis Jr. to play the part. <laughs> hey, babe, I can get those humans out for you. Boing, boing, boing. <laughs> I can't imagine that at all. Can he you? calls Frank and he has him whacked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's all the way it would have been. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a great film. I think it's one of my favourite ghosts. If you can call him a ghost, it's not a ghost that you know in the kind of usual sense where you you know somebody in a white sheet or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Something Which is like, in this movie. <laughs> is in this movie. Yeah, yeah. But it, um, it's it's a different ghost, and it's uh, I think it's worthy of being on a on a list of of best movie ghosts. I, I agree. Um, well, my mother took me to saw this movie. I saw it twice in the theater mm. when I was a little kid. And I remember the one part where Alec Baldwin is saying to Beetlejuice after he meets him for the first time, he says, can you be scary? And Beetlejuice turns around and goes, can I be scary? And he does this. <laughs> but he also, and, what do you think of this? Yeah, <laughs> it scares the shit out of him. But as a kid, I went home. And I did this in front of my father. I said, Dad, I could be scary. <laughs> <laughs> my mother's like, stop doing that. He turns around and goes, can I be scary? <laughs> <laughs> great choice. Great choice. Good good, good old, uh, yeah, good choice to start out with. Uh, my first favorite ghost scares me as a kid and still scares me to this day. Just because I don't know what the actor portraying this ghost will do at a certain scene or a certain part of a scene. And this ghost has been portrayed multiple times. And that's the ghost of Jacob Marley from The Christmas Carol. Now, from which which one? I mean, there's lots. All of them. All of them. <laughs> because the, 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 the character of Jacob Marley is a warning to Ebenezer mm. Scrooge. And it's that point, you know, where he warns Ebenezer, you know, you're going to be like me, take a look. I'm shackled by money and chains, things that I idolized as in my in my life, which I should have been given back to people. And, you know, you have to listen to me. And Ebenezer Scrooge is like, no, fuck off. It's that wailing part. It's either the moaning or the wailing part. He's either going, Ugh, or he's ah, shaking shit. <laughs> You know, and then he goes out to the window. They all go out to the window, or they all disappear. But the ones that go out to the the window, and it's mainly the black and white British versions that do this. He goes out the window. Ebenezer Scrooge follows him to it, and he sees all these either ghost, other ghostly figures, or 
what the population is around Victorian England at that time. And he's wailing around. Everyone's screaming and the music is coming in. Oh, it's just frightening for any fucking kid. You know, but yeah, it's it's Jacob Marley from Pick a Christmas Carol. As, as oh, I'd pick the, the Muppets Christmas Carol, to be honest, with <laughs> Snapper and Waldorf playing uh, uh, Jacob Marley. Uh, <laughs> 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 That's a great film. Oh, yeah, singing away there. Uh, no, no, it's. Uh, I, I agree. That's uh, that's always been a kind of um, kind of really sort of unsettling character in uh, in the Christmas Carol movies. I'm you not hear sure. the chains, right? You're coming up yeah, the steps yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something really unnerving about it, and and I I, I still can't ever sort of work out which version I like. Whether I like the the original, the sort of Alistair Sim one, or the, yeah. the Robert Finney one, or uh, the Jim Carrey one, the Robert Zemeckis thing, or I think I'd have to settle on the Muppets Christmas Carol. You know, it's a it's an incredibly popular film in the UK, always on on a Christmas Eve or something like that, and uh, yeah, really makes me laugh as that film, but still has that little edge now and again where you're kind of shit. Is this really a kids' film? <laughs> Like a Mickey's Christmas? Well, Uncle yeah. Scrooge? Uh, Uncle Scrooge McDuck? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Marley is actually Pluto. Not Pluto, uh, Goofy. Oh, is it really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's my first uh, favorite ghost is Jacob Marley because I, I just don't know which way the actor is going to portray it, but you know the symbol of what he's supposed to do for Ebenezer Scrooge as a warning. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, your next uh, specter or, or phantasm. My uh, my next one is a is a kind of it's not a movie, but it's a it's a British kind of uh, I guess adapted uh, uh, play um, called Whistle and I'll Come to You, which is which was made in 1968, uh, directed by Jonathan Miller, and was part of the BBC's I think it was called um, Omnibus. It was kind of a series of different kind of. Um, uh, um, I guess documentaries and plays and things like that, usually about music. But this one was is, is kind of like a live action folk horror, um, and it, it concerns this kind of skeptical professor who's who's on vacation in in Norfolk, in um, in the UK, and um, he stays in a kind of local hotel. And in the day, he goes out on walks on his own. He's a very sort of insular, in, you know, introverted character. Very stuffy, very British, very, very much like like the the, uh, the the pompous idiots in the in the life of in the uh, in the meaning of life Grim Reaper sketch. He's he's wandering around the cliff tops one day, and he comes across a graveyard, and right on the edge of the cliffs where the cliffs have eroded, there's a there's a there's a gravestone, um, and at the side, at the edge of the cliff, he reaches down, and there's something kind of sticking out of the edge of the cliff. And he he pulls it out, and it's it's actually an old um, uh, folk whistle, and and he he puts it in his pocket, and he takes it back to to his hotel room. He goes downstairs that evening, and he he has a um, he has a dinner, and he gets into a, a conversations with with uh, I think it's the hotel owner or, or somebody like that, or some or a guest staying at the hotel, and the the the, the, the conversation is based around mortality and death and life after death and things like that. And it's clear that he's kind of not really a believer and he's very stuffy and it's all about kind of you're gone, you're gone and da-da-da, all that kind of thing. Um, 
he goes to bed that night. Just before he gets into bed, he actually finds the whistle in his pocket and he takes it out and he blows it. Um, and what this appears to do is it kind of summons a series of nightmares and strange happenings to this guy. And in his nightmares, he's kind of back on the beach where he found this, um, uh, where, where he found this whistle. And he's been sort of pursued by this kind of shadowy figure, almost kind of, it's in the distance, almost like Michael Myers-esque, just kind of stood there. And bear in mind, this is a kind of 1960s low-budget um, uh, drama. There's something really, really quite eerie about it. Using atmosphere. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, he's he's pursued at, at one stage by a kind of a sheet. He's kind of wandering along the beach. This this it's kind of a beach sort of cliff top area. Uh, he, he's wandering along, and this sheet is slowly following him. Um, he goes. He wakes up in the middle of the night, and and you know he's kind of a bit freaked out by these dreams that he's been having. And when he gets up in the morning and goes downstairs. The maid asks him if he would like both beds making, both beds changing, sorry, whether he wants the, the sheets laundered on, bo- on both of the beds. And, and he's like, well, what are you talking about? There's only me staying in that room. And she said, no, but you've slept in both beds. And he's saying, no, no, I didn't. I only sleep in one bed. And she said, maybe you got up in the middle of the night and, and, and got into this bed, the second bed. And he said, no, I didn't. And we're all as, as viewers kind of freaked out by this well, who's been sleeping in this bed and it turns out that this whistle has kind of summoned this spirit to his room and is sleeping in the next bed to him and, and it kind of culminates with the sheets rising as if there's a figure underneath it and him you know kind of questioning his beliefs and, and freaking out and screaming and one of the roommates kind of, you know, in the next room or whatever, bangs on the door and, and walks in. And just as he walks in, the sheet drops and you kind of just see this kind of stuffy, pompous non-believer just kind of reduced to this gibbering mess on the floor. Jesus <laughs> Christ. He's been completely haunted. Um, it's on YouTube. Like I say, it's 40 minutes long. It's just a short black and white movie full of, of, as Dave would say, and I hate to say this because it's his expression, mood and atmosphere, um, but well worth a watch. I think it was remade about 10 years ago with John Hurt in the lead role, and it wasn't quite as effective, but it's definitely something um, worth checking out, and I'll put the link below and people can take a look and and, and, uh, and find out for themselves. Very effective low-budget BBC um, drama that that definitely deserves a place of one of as you know as one of the most disturbing ghost stories that certainly that I've seen anyway. So th- so this ghost is following him forever. Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of it's following him in his nightmares, but then mm. it kind of uh, he realizes that it's actually in the same fucking room as him. Um, Manifest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Shit! Imagine looking over there and you see some fucker just get up and there's nothing underneath there. Scare the <laughs> piss out of me. Yeah, I'm definitely going to take a look at that, and I'm probably going to watch it in the daytime. <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> so my next ghost. Now I'm going to say his real name, Horace the Breaker Mahoney. 
also known as the Juggernaut from 13 Ghosts. Now, I saw this movie as a kid. You know, it has Matthew uh, Illard in it, as well as F. Murray Abraham. And uh, they're basically these ghost hunters, you know, trying to later on in the movie find out there's a bigger picture to capturing all these ghosts. But it's the first time we meet this ghost, and they're baiting him. And Matthew's character says he's the only ghost we actually had to bait, which basically means just throw gallons and gallons of blood all over the junkyard where he was a, uh, a junkyard man and also killing 40 people by breaking them apart with his own hands. Well, he does that as a ghost, too. You enter his junkyard and he gets thrown people and he squishes them and he tears them apart. And um, he gets captured finally. But go, we get to the house where all these ghosts are collected, and he's the most feared because of his size and his strength, because he just can take people up. And he's actually one of two, besides a ghost called the Jackal, which has this, you know, I guess, uh, old uh, cage on his head to stop it from biting people. Yeah, I remember that. It's, doesn't it kind of, like, jitter around all the time? Yeah, right? yeah it's, it's, like a, it's like a canary cage, right, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So... He, um, the Juggernaut and the Jackal are only the only two murderers of the ghosts of these 13. And when they finally let the Juggernaut go, either by accident or on purpose, you know, depending on what you believe, um, he takes Matthew's character and breaks his back. Just, <laughs> just fucking lifts him up and breaks him. Uh, and that was it. Uh, but yeah, for but for me, it's he's a small little part, but an impactful part, and that's the Juggernaut from Thirteen Ghosts. Yeah, the, the the remake because there is an older version. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I remember this film, and I remember seeing it when it first came out. I wasn't too enamored with it when it first came out. I think it is. You know, a lot of people do rate this film, and you know, a lot of horror fans do rate this movie. And maybe I need to take a look at it again. It's become a cult uh, classic, has it a little bit? It has a cult following, yeah, I should say. Yeah, I, see, I see it mentioned quite a lot on, on YouTube channels and in the chat and all that kind of thing. Matthew, It was Matthew Lilliard, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you picked a Matthew Lilliard, given your um, <laughs> your hate for Scream. Uh, Darren, you're next ghost. <laughs> <laughs> so, my next ghost isn't an actual ghost. It's more of an urban legend about a ghost. And uh, this is probably the one and only time that we will talk about this movie, because unfortunately... Uh, it was released in 1987, but it was released in November of 1987, so it won't quite make our list for the next episode of Cool Cruel Summers. Uh, and that's Three Men and a Baby, directed by Leonard Nimoy. Uh, show me where the ghost was in this. <laughs> so this is kind of like a persistent urban legend that's kind of gone on over the years, and it was Gutenberg's career, right? That's the ghost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah. Right. I'm sorry. Uh, continue. <laughs> for those who haven't seen three men and a baby i have seen three men and a baby and uh, it's kind of yeah okay fair enough um it's it, it it's about three bachelors who find themselves sort of forced to take care of a, a baby that's left by one of the one of them i can't remember was it ted danson's girlfriend or or something like that uh, it's actually the highest grossing movie of 1987, taking $170 million uh, 35 years ago in the in, in the US, which is 
fucking incredible. It really is. But there is a moment in this film where Ted Danson's in his apartment. He's wandering around. He's on the phone. He's walking backwards and forwards, up and down. The camera's panning. And at one moment, you see a, a small child stood in between the curtains, the drapes, whatever you want to call them, in the window. And woman, it's there. The camera pans and you, you, you lose sight of it. People were freeze-framing this and, and saying, what the fuck is this? What, what, what is this little boy doing in this apartment? From then on, it grew into this kind of, uh, like I said, an urban legend about a boy who apparently commits suicide by blowing his brains out in the particular apartment that they filmed this sequence in. And there's even a, a scene where as people swear they can see a shotgun propped up against a wall as well. This remained uh, an, an urban legend for almost 30 years until I think in 2017 uh, Tom Selleck uh, was being interviewed on I don't know whether it was Kimmel or Conan or whatever show and turned around and said there was no ghost in that fucking film at all. For one, we didn't film it in an apartment, it was on a sound stage, it was a set and two, there was a deleted scene from the film whereas because Ted Danson's character is a is an actor, he apparently was obsessed with cutouts of himself, a bit like the dude behind you at the moment, Frank. Um, <laughs> he was obsessed with cardboard cutouts of himself, and there was one cardboard cutout of Ted Danson uh, in a tuxedo, which was left lying around in the room. There was only a small one, uh, and this is what was what was seen in the. Um, in, in the final cut of the movie, now I, I think it did it did wonders for the for, for sales of the oh, movie. Oh yeah, yeah, for something years, like this. Yeah, were like obsessed with this, and they kind of kept it sort of between themselves for so long until eventually Magnum PI himself kind of uh, let the cat out of the bag in in 2017. Um, but yeah, if you if you watch that, and, um, it, it's it's pretty eerie. It's pretty eerie, and and it certainly had me. Uh, for a long time. So the technology of today would have cleared this up. No problem. They would have... Because we do this with old movies, right? Don't we take them out and say, oh, look, there's somebody hanging in Wizard of Oz. And then you clear, then you, you clean it up. And it's like, no, it's part of the forest. It's a painting. You know? Or, or clear up the guy's penis in, in <laughs> Teen Wolf. Uh, but so the title of this, of the movie, could have been Three Men and a Dead Baby. It could have been. It <laughs> would have been a would have been a different movie, wouldn't it? That's something different altogether, isn't it? Though. <laughs> uh, uh, it yeah, it's um, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I, like, I like it. Uh, yeah. I, I like it as well. Although you know, it's a good thing that Tom Selleck did come out and say uh, that that it that it was a hoax because, well, not a hoax, but uh, it was an urban legend with what you were saying there about, you know, uh, high-definition versions and 4Ks and all that kind of stuff, I don't think there's much call for a 4K version of uh, Three Men and a, and a Baby at all, so we, we'd probably <laughs> never see that. <laughs> all you see is, is a, the cardboard cutouts of Ted Danson, you know, putting on the Ritz. <laughs> I like that. I, I like that you added that in because it is the, an urban legend that probably yeah. a, lot, a lot of people across the pond know about. Um, exactly. You know, but one of those things, you know, where you know, people made up on the movie set because 
You know, it looked like something like Disney penises are always showing up on posters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you like, sure. <laughs> so uh, my final ghost is from a comedy. It's not Casper. You know, it's it's none of that. It's a ghost played by Richard Mall. Uh, who, you know, we talked about played uh, Big Ben from House. Yeah, uh, yeah. But he played a ghost called Hugh Kane from Scary Movie 2. And <laughs> we, we see him and he's, he's, you know, he's playing tricks on people and he really wants them out of his house. And he's in love with uh, Anna Faris's character, Cindy, who looks like his mistress. It looks like his wife. And we first encounter him, you know, doing the jollies with Tori Spelling's character and, and, and mimicking poltergeist by having sex on the walls. <laughs> They're flipping her upside down and she's going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean like the Joe Beth Williams moment? Yeah, which, yeah. Where she's um, like getting assaulted by the ghost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so she had fun. And he had fun, and you could see she's smoking a cigarette, and you see this cigarette lit being smoked in the air, and he's there. And she's basically telling him, oh, I can't wait to be Mrs. Hugh Kane. And you hear, huh? And the cigarette drops, and you hear footsteps, and the door close. And next time we see those two together, you know, Tori Spelling's character is like, Hugh, baby, why are you leaving me? Stop this. And he yells out, because you gave me crabs. <laughs> Why won't you talk to me? Because you gave me crabs. At <laughs> 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 all this time, you know, we, we, we don't see him until, you know, one of the characters puts on, you know, these special ecto glasses and you can see him. And he, we see him first time in a wheelchair, having a fucking wheelchair race and doing wheelies and peeling out. And I had to put him in there because, you know, it's, it's such a funny ghost movie. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's one of my favorite funny ghosts uh, for Scary Movie 2. Hugh Kane. That, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I saw the Scary Movie. I think I saw the first two. I'm pretty sure I did. I remember the one that was kind of like riffing on, um, I know what he did. No, Scream. That was it. It was one of the Scream movies when the guy's in the toilet. Mm-hmm. And he hits his head against the wall. I think in the Scream film, the knife goes through and and stabs him in the head. But in this one, it's kind of like a glory hole, and this dick comes through and punches <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> goes right through to the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I remember about the scary movie. weren't they done by the guys that 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 did Airplane? Didn't they have some? Yeah, to do yeah. They yeah they were the producers and directed by Keaton Ivor Waynes, who did the. Uh, TV show uh, sketch comedy in living color. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, what Jim Carrey was on there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, but I had to add it on there just because <laughs> give it a ghost crabs. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That's good. That's good. Okay. Well, I think we have a pretty solid. We can go on and on about ghosts. I mean, there's the, I mean ghost movies are what? Dime a dozen? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, you know, this This is, uh, you know, like our underwater terrors thing. We can do two or three episodes on this without, you know, uh, no problem at all. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's nice to pick, you know, it'd be so easy to go, oh, the ghost in the conjuring or insidious or sinister or something it like follows. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, There's it's nice. Multiple ghosts in there, yeah. 
some different uh, ghosts uh, that people probably don't talk about very much. <sighs> All right, everybody. Enjoy the... I was going to say enjoy the rest of your day. Fuck it. All right, everybody. Stick to the roads. And the best of luck. Take care. 